Welcome to the Wildflower Bee Farm Podcast. I'm Hank Sveck. This podcast is about helping you uh, learn and understand the different trials and tribulations of converting a 50-acre farm back to nature and a honeybee sanctuary, and how we struggle to continue to be servant beekeepers. Here's this week's episode. Welcome to the Wildflower Bee Farm Podcast. I'm Hank Speck. You know, when I started the project here, now going into our third winter of turning the farm back to nature, it actually started five five years ago now, but with the bees uh, in this current strategy, three years. Um, you really feel like you're alone at this because the um, <clears throat> a few local people I talked to said there are no feral bees in Ontario, and I said the same thing. I asked the same question out in Nova Scotia, and I heard the same response from a local bee expert who said, there's no such thing as any feral bees. They're all dead because of varroa mites and so on. And you're crazy to do this project. It'll never work. And bees won't survive unless you treat them all the time. And even though now we know that most bees treated <clears throat> don't survive and mites have grown resistant and everything we know about bees, it continues to be a weird thing until I found out the following. It turns out that in Wales and the United Kingdom, Kingdom, there are over 3,000 beekeepers who do not treat for varroa mites. Now, I've also talked in the past about some of the work of Seeley in New York, who found uh, feral bees that survived without any kind of treatment since varroa, long before varroa and now. But this information, um, and I'll tell you the website if you're, if you're like me and you're into this, it's uh, bee monitor, B-E-E monitor, M-O-N-I-T-O-R dot org is where the organization uh, of Dr. Clive Hudson um, is involved. And he's a beekeeper who's had treatment-free bees for some 11 years now. And he's chronicled it and he's talked about it. And I have to tell you, when I looked at the website, it was absolutely fantastic to see that there are other people who have been doing this for up to 25 years now without any treatment for varroa mites and the bees are thriving. So some of the summaries, I've listened to a number of the videos available and some of the research I've read and the articles written by uh, uh, Clive Hudson and his colleagues and some of the other information. Actually, the cool thing, you go to beemonitor.org, you can also see the real-time monitoring of the temperature of some of his hives which is interesting if you're doing that as well as i am it can kind of be cool for comparison purposes but the cool thing is understanding that this has been going on for a long time and there's a huge number of people in europe who are doing this um, not so much here in north america i think although there are some but for sure three thousand beekeepers in the united kingdom in wales and other parts of europe who are, um, and, and, and it doesn't matter the strain. This is the fascinating thing, you know. I think genetics may ma matter initially, but I'm not so sure anymore. I think what matters is some of the things we talk about in that new model I showed, the diathesis stress model, to give your bees more of a chance to be healthy and develop the um, coping mechanisms to fight varroa. And one, um, there's the technique where the bees actually can pull out drones that are infected and carry them out so that the mites don't reproduce. But there's something else that they're doing which is really fascinating. And a, a Dr. Audie, oh, I believe it's D-D-I-E, 
has written a great deal about this, and that's the uncapping of hives, of, uh, of cells, sorry, of brood cells. So what happens is the, the mites that crawl in and, and start to um, uh, attack the developing larvae of the bee, when the, when the worker bees open and decap, take the wax off the top, for just a brief second or two, or however long they do it, it disrupts the varroa mite by changing the temperature and humidity in that cell, which then stops them from reproducing and helps the bees in controlling mites, because because then the bees quickly cap it again, and the bees hatch without an infection. So this is called capping or decapping, and it's a way for the bees to control varroa mites. And it's, it's, it's showing up more and more in the literature. Now, bees do that, apparently, according to Dr. Adi, when the resources are more scarce. So in the spring, early, early spring or, or fall, when they don't have a lot of um, nectar coming in or pollen, they uh, right away, they re reserve their energy but still help control mites. Then in the summer, when they have more energy and they have more food, they certainly do the job of going in and pulling out and dragging out the drones if they can who are infected or bees who are infected with the mite. So it sounds like there's a whole host of strategies the bees are using uh, to protect them. There's another group, and I'm, I'm trying to track them down, who in Europe have been involved in a similar environment as we are raising treatment-free bees on a property where they're surrounded by intensive agriculture and pesticides and all of that, as well as other beekeepers who do treat their bees. And so I'm interested to see their experience because one of the criticisms of what we're doing here is not just that we're surrounded by agriculture, but that the majority of beekeepers here do not treat their bees so that when our bees interact with um, the queens, when the drones actually go to the uh, queens, our queens are there. Some of the drones in that uh, drone congregation area will be drones who have um, come from those other hives where the, the skills of how to manage varroa and other pests. So, uh, yet they still have been successful. So I'm, I'm very fascinated by this. So 3,000 beekeepers in... Um, in England, United Kingdom, and Wales. And I'm going to try to reach out and try to develop some talking and conversations with them and, and get that kind of uh, information sharing going on. Did a walk of the farm today. It was very cold, minus 10 Celsius. And uh, there was obviously nothing flying, but I was using my heat camera, heat sensing camera, to try to see thermal camera, to try to see what's going on. And some of the hives look very strong, some not so, but it's hard to tell with all the wax um, that's in the hive. Sometimes I find the hives move around and I'll go back and I will get a great reading. So I don't panic or anything, but it looks like I'm hoping we're going to hit somewhere between 10 to 15 hives surviving the winter, but we'll have to wait and see. Whatever does survive, we are going to be, um, anything that survives according to plan, we have to split and create um, more hives so that we can... Uh, you know, get the strain going. There, there will be some debate in my mind whether or not I'll be opening up the log hives. Probably not. Currently, we're going into the winter with two uh, log hives of swarms. Probably, if they survive, we will leave them and let them uh, re-swarm, and hopefully some of those swarms will be able to be part of our project. So, 
even though this is December, we're, we're really planning on um, checking the boxes on the different variables in that diathesis stress model. And uh, very excited tomorrow I'll be talking to a um, world-famous uh, beekeeper who reached out after reading my article, and he's involved in um, uh, creating uh, log hives in California, one of the um, premier um, log hive um, sort of um, developers, but but really connected to nature, and I very I'm, I'm just really excited to talk with him tomorrow. It won't be on the podcast, but I will um, uh, give the details of what ends up happening on our conversation. This is Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. You have an amazing day, and uh, hats off to those three thousand and more uh, treatment-free beekeepers in the United Kingdom. Look forward to connecting with you soon. To learn more about our project, make sure you go to wildflowerbeefarm.com. There you can find further information on the latest research articles we've put out, find out where you can pick up some t-shirts, and all the other interesting things we're doing on the farm. That's wildflowerbeefarm.com. You can also go to beemoneysimple.org and pick up a free copy of our book, What Grandpa Learned from His Honeybees, a little book to be smart with your money and help the environment. It's free when you sign up for our weekly newsletter. Have an amazing day and thank you for listening.